You are listening to the First Baptist Church Martin podcast. For more information on our church, visit fbcmartin.org. Today, we're, we're going to be talking about what do we need? What do we need? Everybody in this room needs something, or, or, or we think we need something. You know, children may think they need a new basketball, or a new football, or, or the newest video game, whatever it may be, uh, on their phone, or their tablet, or, or on their Xbox, or, or Nintendo Switch. Teenagers, they, they may need a new car, they may need a specific job. They may need that girl or that boy to notice them. That's what they may need or, or think they need. As adults, we may need to get married. We may need to have kids, buy a house, buy a bigger house, change jobs. There, there's all kinds of things that we as adults begin to think that we need, you know, we all have an idea of what we think we need. I'm sure as you're sitting there, you're thinking about something now that I've brought it up. And it may not be a sin. It may not be a bad thing that you are thinking of right now that you think, yeah, I, I, I really do. I, I need that. It may not be something negative. And Many times we even have a plan of how we're going to get it. We, we, we think we know how that's going to happen, which again, that plan may not be a bad thing. It may not be a sin. But here's the question, do we really need, do we always really need what we think we need? Do we always need what we think we need. I'm seeing some heads shake. Well, in our scripture today, we're going to look at some folks who thought they, need, they knew what they needed, and we're going to see how that turned out for them. We're going to be in Mark 5 this morning. Mark 5, verse 21 through 43. Mark 5, 21 through 43. And I'm going to ask if you are able to stand for the reading of God's Word. Mark 5, 21 to 43 says this. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? 
And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, Do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to follow him except Peter and James and John and the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he entered, he said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside, took the child's father and mother and those who were with him, and went in where the child was, taking her by the hand. He said to her, Talitha kume, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Father, we ask this morning that you would meet us in this place, that we would put out of our hearts and minds anything that we might be thinking of, that we might be planning, anything that happened yesterday, this morning, or might be happening next week, that we would focus on what your word says this morning. Father, we ask that you would help us to leave here changed people for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Talking about what we need, what we need. Well, let's look at the crowd first. Now, we, we really need to back up to chapter 4 to look at the crowd. Jesus was teaching beside the sea, and a crowd gathered about him. He was teaching them in parables. He taught them the parable of the sower. He taught them the parable of the lamp under a basket, the seed growing, the mustard seed. We, most of us in this room, know those parables. Then he got into a boat and went across the sea to the land of the Gerasenes, or the Gadarenes. And he healed the demon-possessed man. We remember the demon-possessed man. He was cutting himself, he was breaking chains, he was running at Jesus, and Jesus healed him. Here's what the scripture says. It says that many boats went with them. Sometimes we gloss over that. See... There was a crowd about Jesus, and when he left and went to the other side of the sea, many of them said, let's go. Let's see what he's going to do. We want to see what he's doing next. So they got into their boats, and they went over with him, and then he calmed a storm. Not only did they get to see him heal the demon-possessed man, they got to see him calm a storm. See, it wasn't just the disciples' boat that was in the storm. There, there were other boats around. It was the crowd, right? Well, then they came back with him. So now, we're in verse 21 of chapter 5. So some of these folks in the crowd were the same folks that had been around him when he taught the parables traveled with him through the storm to the demon-possessed man, and then came back. In verse 24, it says they thronged around him. 
This word in the original language, guys, means that they were pushing in from all sides. Front, back. I mean, it was, if you have never been in a crowd like that, go, go to Ethiopia and, and walk down the street. You'll, I think all nine million people that live in Addis Ababa get out and walk at the same time. Um, it, it's, it's just that you can't move. And so this crowd is pushing on all sides. We need to get that picture in our head to get the full picture of this story. Huge crowd pushing around Jesus. Now, what did the crowd think they needed from Jesus? You see, most of the time when we see crowds gathered in Scripture, we see three groups with that crowd. We see the crowd, we see the disciples, and we see the twelve. Three different groups. The crowd usually represents people who were just curious. They were not necessarily being discipled by Jesus. They just wanted to see what he was going to do next. They wanted to see a show. Would somebody be healed? Would he cast out a demon? What's he going to do next? In this part of the world, everything is a spectator sport. Everything. When we lived in Ethiopia... That's, it's still the same. It's the Near East, right? Everything is a spectator sport. Now, follow me here. I'm in one of the cities up north. Um, it's actually the city where the uh, Ark of the Covenant is supposed to be. That's a whole other story. And I'm driving down the road, and there is a bajaj. A bajaj is a three-wheeled taxi. You've probably seen them in movies. They look like a little motorcycle, but they got three wheels, two people sit in the back, and the driver. The bajaj was in front of me, and I'm driving. He pulls over, flags me down, so I pull over. He says, I hit him from the front. He says, see, my headlights busted. He was in front of me, <laughs> okay? Well, my point behind this is a police officer came, and then a crowd gathered. Huge crowd. Everybody wanted to see what in the world is going on here. And it, the, the funniest part of the story, well, I had a Somali friend with me who was a believer, and if you've ever met a Somali um, person, they're great. Love them. They are some of the best evangelists in the world when they come to faith. But they really never lose that fire. Uh, and so he got pretty angry pretty quick. Uh, and I told him to go back and sit in the car. Um, but this guy standing next to me, we were listening to the police officer, and this Ethiopian guy standing next to me in the crowd looks at me and says, just smack him. I said, smack? What do you mean smack? Just smack him. He's, he's lying. I'm not going to smack him. You know, I'm not going to hit this guy, you know. And, and so anyway, this whole ludicrous thing took two hours. We ended up at the police station. We, you know, ludicrous. Basically, I was the foreigner, and they thought they were going to get money from the foreigner. Uh, and so that's kind of the way things, things rolled there. Um, but anyway, the point I'm making is even now in that part of the world, everything is a spectator sport. 
It, it's always, when, when something happens, everybody gathers to see it. So that's what the crowd was doing. What did they think they needed? They think they needed a show. They thought they needed a show. They, they wanted to be entertained by Jesus. Well, let's move on to Jairus. In verses 22 to 24, we see Jairus' encounter with Jesus. Now, who was Jairus? It says he was a leader of the synagogue. What does that mean? Most scholars believe that the leader of the synagogue was not necessarily someone who taught. He was probably not theologically trained. He was not one of the guys that, that would stand up and read the scrolls and all that. The ruler of the synagogue was a person who would make sure that the synagogue was prepared for people to come in. So it was clean, people had what they needed, the grounds were kept well. Still a very important man, not a man you would find falling at people's feet. Not a man you would find falling at people's feet, but he was doing that here. What did Jairus need? Well, the short answer is he needed his daughter to be healed, right? He, he came to Jesus wanting his daughter to be healed. He tells Jesus that his little daughter is at the point of death, and he wants Jesus to come lay his hands on her. And Jesus goes. Now, for this little girl to be at the point of death, she must have been sick for quite a while. And as a good parent, Jairus probably took her to lots of doctors, probably spent a lot of money trying to get her better. He had exhausted every effort, and now he was desperate, and she was dying, and he came to Jesus. Now, some of you may be sitting in this room, and you may have lost a child. So you know how this feels. You've, you've experienced this. Here's Jairus, his little girl, is getting ready to die. So he needs her to be healed, and Jesus is his last chance. So they set off to his home, only to be interrupted by this lady. Now I want you, again, imagine the scene. They're pushing everywhere. When you, especially when you were a child, if you asked your parents to follow you, our little grandson... He, he, he's two, and uh, he'll say, uh, play, play, come, you know. And, and so he wants us to come with him, and, and he looks at you as he's going to his room. You know, so, so imagine Jairus in his excitement. He is looking over his shoulder to see, is Jesus still there? This crowd is pushing in, and all of a sudden he looks back, and Jesus is gone. Where is he? What's he doing? And then he sees him, he's talking to this lady. Some lady. What does he do? He said he's coming with me, and he stopped to talk to this lady, and he overhears what Jesus is saying. Jesus says, daughter. And this guy's thinking, Jesus doesn't have a daughter. I have a daughter. She's sick, she's dying. He needs to come with me. We need to go now. Let's go. Daughter, your faith has made you well. He's healed this lady. But Jairus' daughter needed healing. So you can imagine the stress he is feeling at this point. 
Well, then in verse 35, Jairus hears these stinging words. Someone comes and says, your daughter's dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. Can you imagine? I can see him crumpling down and weeping. And thinking to himself, Jesus, if you had just come on, instead of stopping, you said you were coming, and you stopped. And he's weeping, and he's crying, and he's upset, and then Jesus comes up to him, and what does Jesus say? Don't fear. Only believe. Now that word believe is the same word as the word for faith that he just told that lady. And what did he tell her? Your faith, your belief has made you well. Jairus went, hang on, I get it. I do believe. Let's go. And he gets up and they continue going, right? So, so they, they take off to the house. They get to the house, and remember the story, the mourners were in there, they were crying, they were wailing, and if you've never heard professional wailers, oh my word, we could sit in our house and hear people crying over dead people blocks away in, in Ethiopia. I mean, it's, it's loud, okay? So he comes in and he says, hey, she's not dead, she's just sleeping, and they laugh at him, and he puts them out. He raises the little girl, and just to prove that she's alive, he says, give her something to eat, right? Now, what did Jairus need? Well, he needed his daughter to be healed. He needed faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of all. That's what he really needed. You see, sometimes faith comes in waiting. Jairus had to wait. But in his waiting, his faith grew stronger. Have you ever had to wait on Jesus? Have you ever had to wait for a promotion or for that child to be born or for that test result to come in or for that healing? You see, sometimes God does that in our lives to strengthen our faith. We have to remember, guys, we don't always know what we need. Right? Well, let's look at the woman. She had been bleeding for 12 years, verses 25 to 34. Many scholars believe that she was a Gentile. And she had used up all the money that she had. And here she was in the crowd. She was trying to get to Jesus. She was an outcast because of her disease. If she had been married, she would have been divorced. She had used all of her money. She was poor. She was in desperate need, just, just like Jairus was in desperate need. Here's my favorite part of the story, verse 27. How did she get there? He says that she heard the reports about Jesus. She heard the reports about Jesus. When did you hear the reports about Jesus? 
If you're sitting here today and you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, think about that time when someone told you about Jesus. Because that's how you got here. is, is, Is hearing the reports about Jesus. And here's the next question. Because, see, the gospel doesn't come to us and stop. It comes to you going to someone else. See, if it had come to you, if it had come to the person before you and stopped, you wouldn't know. So here's the real question. Who have you told reports about Jesus? Who are you telling How to get to Jesus. See, this lady got there because she had heard the reports about Jesus. He's still working. Now, what did she need? Well, she needed healing. She knew exactly what she needed. And she had extreme faith. She said, if I touch his garments, I might be healed. I could be healed. I should be healed. No, she said, I will be healed. That was it. She knew she was going to be healed. So she goes in, she sneaks. Now again, get this picture, please. She is sneaking through the crowd, under the crowd, trying to get to Jesus' feet, but he's moving. But what happens? Jairus comes, Jairus stops him, talks to him. While he's stopped, the lady thinks, now's my time. And she sneaks in, and she touches, and she is out. Because that's all she wanted. She just wanted that healing. But what happens? Jesus says, who touched me? And his disciples, you know, everybody's touching you. You know, they, they didn't get it. And that's a whole other sermon. We're not going to talk about that today. But she, she touches him. He knows power goes out from him. He says, who touched me? She hears him. Now think about this, guys. You've been in these situations where you have been afraid to go before someone. She said to herself, I can leave or I can go back. And she goes back. And what does it say in the scripture? She fell at his feet in fear and trembling. Guys, that's the only way to come to a holy God. That is the only way to come to a holy God. We have to fall at his feet in fear and trembling. We can't come any other way. And then what does it say she did? She told him the whole truth. Here's another question for you. Have you ever told Jesus the whole truth? Have you ever told him who you really are? Now, you may be sitting there saying, but he knows everything. He knows who I am. Yes, he does. But guys, it's just like in the Garden of Eden when he said, Adam, where are you? He knew where Adam was. It wasn't for God that he asked that question. It was for Adam. You have to come to him and tell him the whole truth because it's for you. You have to admit who you are. So this lady is telling him the whole truth. And I want you to look at what he says. He gives her what she really needed. 
See, she needed healing, but then he looks her in the eye. Guys, she was an outcast. Nobody had looked at this lady in years, especially in the eye. He looks her in the eye and calls her daughter. That's a term of endearment, right? You're my daughter. I love you. But see, it goes further than that. Because not only is that showing that he loves her, but as his daughter, it's showing that she's dependent on him. She's dependent on him. This lady hadn't received love in at least 12 years. Has Jesus ever looked you in the eye and called you daughter or son? Has he ever said, your faith has made you well? See, your sins are forgiven. We go to Jesus so often with things we think we need. What we need is Jesus. I was at a conference this past week, and this guy made the comment. He said at his church, he started getting his people to understand that the answer to every problem is Jesus. He said, we'll be in a finance meeting, and they'll say, well, how are we going to do this? How are we going to do that? And somebody will say, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus. The answer is Jesus. I know that sounds silly or simple, but look, Jairus needed his daughter healed. Did he get his daughter healed? Yes, absolutely. But what did he really need? Faith. And he got that too. This lady needed healing. Did she need that? Yes. But what she really needed was to be loved and to feel that love. And she got that too. See, when she came to Jesus the first time, she didn't want to know him. She just wanted to get what he could do for her. But he wanted to know her. What do you need today? Do you need healing? Do you need a job? Do you need a spouse? Do you need a child? Do you need mended relationships? Yes. You you probably answered yes to one or, or more of those things. You may have something else in mind. But no matter what it is, the question is, do you have faith? Do you have faith that no matter how long you've waited on Jesus, that he's there with you? See, he told Jairus he was going to come with him. God will always be with us. Always. That's his promise. The Great Commission says, and I will be with you always. Do you have that faith? You may be sitting in this room today thinking, I have prayed for that family member to come to faith. For 40 years, and it has not happened. Yep, well, your time's not God's time. Do you have faith? It's hard. It's hard in those times. 
Don't you think it was hard when Jairus' servants came to him and told him his daughter was dead? Absolutely. See, he sees your need, he knows your need, and he has a plan of how he's going to do it. And then, we've already talked about this, but do you know him? Has he looked at you? Have you looked him in the eye? Have you told him the whole truth? See, we have to come to him daily, guys. And tell him the whole truth. I am a sinner. But more than that, I have a sinful heart. Which means, I'm going to sin. I have to come to him daily and tell him the whole truth. So that he can remind me that I am his son. And that's the way we make it through the day. Right? So my question to you today is, what do you really need? Do you know Jesus? And have you seen him? Have you confessed your sins? Have you been healed? And if not, I want to invite you to come this morning as we have our invitation. I want to invite you to come I want to invite you to pray. I want to invite you to make a decision public, whether that is a decision for salvation, whether that is a decision to get back closer to the Lord, whether that is a decision that He is calling you into ministry of some kind. We may have people in this room who God is tugging at their heart to go overseas or to be a pastor, or to be a, a, a youth director, or, or whatever it is, God may be moving in your life, and you need to make that public. If you were encouraged by today's sermon, leave us a rating and subscribe to the podcast. To learn more about First Baptist Church Martin, visit fpcmartin.org. <laughs>